another sign-in. Last time, what did I say? From time? out of the long box and into your yeah, yeah. ears. <clears throat> yeah. You could do that again. Yeah, yeah. We should get. We should. We should either get feedback from Ben or just use all of this as the intro. All of this. It's already started. This is a really great intro. Yeah. What's going on, everybody? Welcome once again to Matt and Brett Love Comics. Hey. I am Matt. And I'm Brett. Uh, we are live from a Panera Bread in Manhattan. Pretty much yeah. the only Panera Bread in Manhattan, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's also one in Queens, and there's one in... Brooklyn somewhere? Yeah, I think that's probably one? right. There's usually Tweet one at of us. everything. Holla at us if you know. <laughs> Holla at your boy, if you know. Um, yeah, so we are hanging out here, uh... Squeezing in an app, and we wanted yeah. to talk to you about uh, our upcoming book club episode. Yeah, it's coming out it's coming next up week. Soon. Uh, um, one of Brett's personal favorites. Yeah, it's a big deal. Uh, we will be covering Deadpool number eleven from nineteen ninety-eight. Seven. Oh, seven. No, right? uh, issue one of Deadpool came out in January ninety-seven. So I think issue eleven, thanks to the minus one issue, is probably December ninety-seven or okay, January ninety-eight. I'm going to pull out my super nerd pants. Yeah. Pull out those nerd pants. It was actually October 1996 that Deadpool number one came out because I had, or maybe even September, uh, I had just recently gotten my driver's license and it was the first time I had gone to the comic shop by myself in a car and it was the coolest feeling in the world. Yeah, that's a, it's always a great feeling. Um, I'm pulling out my iPad now to see... Yeah, the cover date may be January, which I totally... and uh, Yeah, I always go by cover dates. Um, and the, the negative one month was May of 1997. Yeah. Oh, December... This Yeah, December 1997 is the cover date for okay. Deadpool number 11. Okay, so that uh, would have been about September or October yeah. 97. Yeah. Um, I remember... Basically, yeah, this is a... If you read my column, you'll know, you'll know that Deadpool was... Uh, a huge thing for me, and if you didn't read my column, read it because I explain it. I'll ex I explain it a lot better than I'm going to tonight. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> but basically, this is like I think this is a perfect ten comic book. Yeah. To me, this is like the perfect comic book. When I first, basically, like Deadpool at this time, this is issue eleven. Really, it's the twelfth issue published because there was a negative one issue because if you thought point ones and zeros were annoying, right? Negative ones, guys. Right. Uh, at this time. I was in, I was starting eighth grade, so I was in eighth grade. Sure. And Deadpool, the series, was the best Marvel comic to me. Um, it changed how I view comics. It hit me that right perfect time. It was like this and Buffy the Vampire Slayer discovered in eighth grade. And oh, wow, you had a productive year there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's like two life-changing things. Um, so, yeah, uh, this, this was like a big, big deal for me. And this series was also my first foray into... Uh, heartbreaking relationships with superhero books. Yeah. <laughs> where it's like. Well, what broke you, your heart? Uh, because it, I was. This is the first time I was aware of like books get canceled. Yeah. Books that you love get canceled, guys. Mm -hmm. um, for some reason, like, I don't even think I was on the internet at this time, but I was still very aware of the wider. Like, how fans were, like, relating to it. And I because the letters page is maybe pretty honest about the goings-on behind Deadpool and how, like, no one was buying it and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, but this was the first, this was a huge book. It was a, whole, a huge cult favorite book. And also, I mean, the books that I was reading also at this time were, like, Uncanny X-Men, X-Factor, Excalibur. Wait, you were reading a lot X -Men of X-Men at this books, time? Wow. But, like, all those X-Men books were, like, in their huge numbers. Like, Uncanny X-Men was not going to get canceled. Uh, so I did not understand books getting canceled at this sure. time. Sure, you were, you were reading, you were used to reading institutions. Yeah. In Deadpool. Not an institution. Not, a, not at that time, certainly not. And also, it was... I know this is going to sound dumb, but it felt the closest to, like, an indie book. Because 
I bought Deadpool number one off the newsstand. Like, oh, I'm going to try this out. It's number one. It's Deadpool. I like Deadpool. I'll read this. Uh, and it, it's like it wasn't a guarantee. Like, I didn't know who Joe Kelly was. This is Ed McGinnis' first work. Right. I, I was just checking out a book on um, the same way that I, like, pick up fables or scalped or anything nowadays just by like yeah i'll try this out Absolutely. it was the same it was like the first book that i was like yeah i'll try this out i like deadpool okay i like this couple of appearances in x-force so like that was great um well you know what's great to me about this series was this was i liked deadpool enough before this series but what always struck me even when i was younger was that every appearance everyone told me in the book that he was funny, yeah. but I never really found him funny. No. You know what I mean? And it's it's sort of the same way. My buddy Nate pointed this out to me once, uh, and it's ruined film and television for me. He, he One of his biggest pet peeves is when people laugh at a joke yeah. in a film or, or a television show yeah. because it's almost always fake. You can just tell that they don't think yeah. that it's funny yeah. because it's acting. And Deadpool was the funniest comic I had ever read. It was like, hilarious. It, it still is up there. Like p- the way people talk reverently about like kids in the hall and stuff. Yeah, you know, I do sketch comedy, and the way people like I talk about that about Deadpool. Yeah, like um, that first issue, that second issue where he goes and infiltrate, infiltrates Taskmaster's uh, like villain training school really and just funny. obliterates Taskmaster. Um, and so like I found this crazy kinship with this book, and also like at this time issue eleven. This is this was also Joe Kelly exercising his um, uh, like his idea that comic books should be told in year long seasons. Yeah. Um, so really, this was supposed to be issue ten, but it's issue eleven because of the negative one. So it was really it's really like the first thirteen issues. You mean it was supposed to be twelve? It was supposed to be no. It was supposed to be, because like negative one came before this, so it was supposed to be issue ten or something. Oh, math, math. Because I, I, I still don't know if they had planned to do that negative one story or not. Like I, I don't know if that negative one issue was actually supposed to be issue eight instead of negative one. See, I think that if I read correctly, I don't think that there was a lot of uh, forward planning with the negative ones. I think that might have been like a an idea in January, and then they enacted it in May. Yeah, and that negative one issue was crazy because it sets up all of year two of Deadpool, and it's like the first appearance of what will become Deadpool's supporting cast in a year. Yeah. So it's like Joe Kelly just used that to give us a sneak peek, which is really great. Yeah. But like this comes, this comes after Deadpool has a prisoner named Alfred, named Blind Al. Blind Al. <laughs> who who's is, a woman. Who's an old, old lady, and she, this is, I think this is after, is this after Deadpool finds out that his tech guy, Weasel, who handles like his teleportation belts and stuff, Deadpool leads these two separate lives. Like He has his home life where he lives with his prisoner, and they just play, play pranks on each other, and it seems very innocent. Yeah. As innocent as it can be for him holding an old woman prisoner. Yeah, they do. Well, they bring that up very often. They're yeah. like, yeah, we have a great relationship for someone who is being yeah. held prisoner by a freak. Yeah. And then Deadpool's other life, where he's a mercenary and having a good time, like with his drink, basically like with his drinking buddies, Weasel. Yeah. And then Joe Kelly made a very clear distinction of how those two worlds were separate. And then he had Weasel when he was looking, Weasel was like worried about Deadpool and like put on his teleportation belt and hid it, and ended up in Deadpool's home and met Blind Al, um, which 
was like, holy shit. And ble- that was like the first time that Blind Al's like guard went down, was like, you have to run away. Do not do this. This is awful. And then when Deadpool, I'm trying to remember, I think Deadpool found out in the issues before this one that they had met. And yeah. he like went crazy. No, I think no, this is, that's after. That's after. Are you sure? Yeah. Because it's Walter that... McDaniel's art, and this is still oh, in the transition. Right. That's yeah. right. This was Pete but Woods. Because this, this is, this is, this whole storyline, all of Deadpool 11 comes from this crazy thing where Deadpool was like fucking with Blind Al's head and being like, oh, you want to escape? We'll go anywhere you want to go. He actually gets out like a spinning wheel full of vacation spots. Right. And they end up, and she's like, fuck you. Like, I don't want to do this. Yeah. Like, you're just rubbing in my face uh, how, how I'm a prisoner. So they like end up going to like a sea world. <laughs> yeah. And they end up fighting the Great Lakes Avengers. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> how they got there. Yeah. And then they end up, Deadpool ends up activating his teleportation belt inside of, who is the teleportation guy on Great Lakes Avengers? Uh, uh, is like, not is negative, it Doorman? Man. No, no, Dor- no. Is it Doorman? Because he's no. like a door to other places? No, Doorman is the flat guy, isn't he? No, that's, is that Flatman? Oh, man, I'm so bad with my GLA right now. Guys, GLA are so big. Uh, oh, yeah, they're uh, huge. Well, this time they're, they're trying to call themselves the Lightning Rods. Because the, the Avengers were gone, the Thunderbolts, Thunderbolts were, were around. They That's were trying to call hilarious. themselves the Lightning Rods. Yeah, because there's a footnote in Eleven referring to the uh, sudden storm that had appeared, which was happening in the Heroes Return oh, yeah. limited series. Yeah. Oh, man. Season so that was October 97. Yeah. This is a crazy like time capsule issue. But with issue 11, this was... I'm trying to remember if they'd let us know what was coming when this issue came out. I don't think that they had. And I, because, I mean, this is before the internet. Or, I mean, the internet, like, AOL existed. So, like, Marvel's a hopping AOL site. If anyone remembers that, I was white1348 on the message boards, which is my last name and was my address at the time. Love it. (laughs) The the numbers in my address. That's delightful. So, I feel like this issue just came out, and it was, like, this crazy surprise. Yeah. About how... It was. they, They had talked about because I remember that at the time people were saying that this book was actually funny now. And yeah. it was also right around that time. It was just as Ed McGinnis was leaving that I discovered yeah. Quantum and Woody as well. So oh, I had man. Deadpool and Quantum and Woody God. on my pull list. And I was, I was so elated because I was like, oh my God, comics are funny. Yeah. This is amazing. And this issue was was the issue that everyone talked about. I remember when it came oh, out... Oh, what was it like to have friends who read comic books oh, around this? No, oh, when okay. I say everyone, I mean wizard. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> I was like, that's an experience I didn't have. Are you have. kidding me? No! <laughs> I had no friends that read comic I had one friend that read comic books. Uh, my buddy Jason. But even at this point, he was he was barely reading them. We we yeah. met... This was the Dark Ages. This was oh, like yeah. post-spectator boom. I mean, 97, Like this is when like the bottom fell out. Yeah, this is it was when bad. Things were awful, and highest selling book was like seventy thousand copies. Yeah. in my in the way that I remember it, I found out that Marvel went bankrupt on Christmas Eve. Yeah, which I, I don't know if the timing seems kind of dubious. It seems very like, and on Christmas Eve he cried himself to sleep because he thought his comics were going to go away. <laughs> I don't know if that was true. <laughs> I want it to be true after you described yeah. it that way. <laughs> uh, so like this came out of nowhere. Like there was no advanced press. Like nowadays it would be like hyped. And to be fair, there was a Deadpool month about maybe five months after this. Yes. Um, yeah. They published a whole lot of one-shots and, like, which is pretty cool. Like, Marvel believed in this. Like, Deadpool was such a great book that Marvel believed in it. 
enough yeah. to make it to declare it Deadpool month and like try their hardest to get it to do well. That's pretty great. Yeah. Uh, so what what exactly what is it about this run more than any other run on Deadpool that that speaks to you the most? Uh, the fact that the fact that it is it realistically balances like character arcs. Uh-huh. And multiple complex emotions more so than... And granted, I read a lot of Cable and Deadpool. I read the first half of it, and I liked it. But this is this is the best run because it actually feels like a real person. It feels like really solid storytelling that isn't just... I feel like you can write Deadpool as a pure comedy book, which might be how Daniel Way's been doing it. I just dropped off. I read like the first five issues and was like, I don't think this is for me. Sure. Because I feel like the real comedy of Deadpool can... Sh- like shines a lot better when there's actual stakes and when there's actual characters that you really care about involved in it and so you like the you like the character based Deadpool comedy and not the sort of slapstickery yeah, that that no, has yeah. come of him now yeah like he's amazing in Uncanny X-Force which is a team book where he is the weirdo and a whole bunch of sh- nothing but depressing serious stuff happens in that book yeah and his comedy and his character bounces off of that so much more than if they were just, you know, fighting anthropomorphic tamales or something, you know? Yeah. You know, we're going to be covering Deadpool 11, but we're all, what what we haven't actually mentioned about Deadpool what 11, Deadpool 11 if, is. You, if you didn't know, Deadpool 11 was a very unique issue that was 64 pages with two ads, both of which were fake, I believe. Yeah, maybe. I think one was the back cover ad and maybe the inside back well, cover ad. You know, the title page is a Forrest Gump parody. Yeah. It's like a Forrest Gump movie poster but with Deadpool in it. Yeah. And what happens in the previous issue is Deadpool's teleportation belt is accidentally set off and through circumstances they find themselves in the past. And not just any past, they find themselves in a very specific place. And that place is smack dab in the middle of the story that takes place in Amazing Spider-Man issue 47. Yep. And we actually mean that issue. Yeah, not just just it happens around it, but literally... They went back and found the like original because there's like a making of in the back of I think issue twelve or maybe even issue eleven I don't know. There's actually a making of in one of, like the back the back of one of the issues following this and they show how they went back found the original art I think then like covered like blacked out like literally like applied like black tape over Spider Man and then made new scans and had Pete Woods draw Deadpool in, in his place like yeah. they they this there was no Photoshop in this like it was all done by hand which blows my mind yeah so they actually take the original issue of Spider Spider Man forty seven and just stick Deadpool in for Spider Man and Blind Al in for Aunt May uh, because after Blind Al rid of them. because Blind Al is is kind of a dead ringer for Aunt May, yeah. especially the way her yeah. hair is tied up and everything. And also the way that uh, everyone keeps complaining that Deadpool was just like Spider-Man with a gun. Exactly. So this was kind of like Joe Kelly being like, yeah, okay, well, let's see what actually... And just, it's basically, it's that MST3K style of comedy, where it's just Deadpool, who is an asshole, <laughs> in 1960s Marvel, with all the crazy over-the-top Stanley dialogue, and, you know... I remember when Deadpool first sees the Osborns' hair, and he's just like, "Dear God, that hair! What is must not make crap?" Oh, it's just yeah, it's a delight. It is a damn delight. It's yeah. so good. And as a comparison, we will also be actually reading and discussing along with this Amazing Spider-Man 47, the original issue. So we're going to read both, and we're going to see how the original compares to uh, to Deadpool being inserted 
in the story itself. So if you'd like to read along, that's going to be Amazing Spider-Man 47 and Deadpool yeah. 11. And actually, if you have the um, original publication of Deadpool number 11, they reprinted Amazing Spider-Man 47 in the back of it. Yeah. So like when you got that book, you got the original. I think it's like 50 pages of Deadpool number 11, and then the they're like then the last 14 of the 64 are reprints of 47. Yeah. It's, like, it's also crazy they did like a 50-page story with no ads. Yeah. They never do that now. No, not at all. Even though most of Marvel's uh, comic books just have like house ads, so the ads that are just doing good. That concerns me a lot, and I'll tell but you. But they stopped doing that. There are there have been some outside Marvel ads in, in newest issues, so I wonder if Avengers has changed that. It was after the market crashed in 2008, the actual stock market and yeah. housing market, that I noticed that there was a lot of there were a lot more house ads and a lot less real ads, which concerned me yeah. because that means that they're not getting as much revenue from ad sales, which is why I think prices started going up, right? Yeah, yeah. They weren't subsidized by ads anymore. Yeah. This is a, this is just a fantastic issue. Yeah. I'm really excited. I'm really excited to revisit this. It's been probably eight years since I've picked this oh, book wow, up again. Oh, really? Yeah, I haven't I read, read it, it again in a long time. I just read it again two years ago. There, I'm pretty sure it's a 10.0. I have a spreadsheet. I know it's in the top 10. Yeah. I think it's like, if, if, if it is 10.0, it's this and it's probably this X-Factor 71 and Uncanny 137 are like my perfect 10 comics. Which like was, three. 137 is... Death of Phoenix. Oh, is like, right, I thought that was 132. Like, that no, is my favorite comic. Yeah. Uh, so those are your only two 10.0s? I think, I, I'll, I'll, I'll do the math. I'll, I'll, crack out, I'll crack out the stats when we get to the episode next week, I'll know. I love that you have a spreadsheet. I'm glad. Okay, so validate me. You're validating my this crazy decision that I've made to, to, to with no, my I hobby. Think, well, I think it's please, smart. Please validate. I think it's smart. You have like 4,000 books. You have a wall. And folks, when I say wall, I don't mean that as a metaphor. He literally has a wall of comics. I'm sure there are some people that are reading this that are like, no, I have a room of walls. Oh, yeah. No, I try to explain to my boyfriend that I actually don't have a lot of comics. Yeah. Like, there's a lot more. Yeah. But, but when you have that many... You For know, New York, I, I probably have a lot. You guys, I'm really obsessed with this show collection obsession on sci-fi. That's why I bring <laughs> this up. Have you have you watched it yet? So I was perusing. When I was at the beach last week and we had cable, which is like a luxury because I don't yeah. have that. But I don't have that. Uh, and I was like kept flipping to sci-fi to just check, like, please show it. But instead I just watched a whole bunch of extreme couponing on TLC, which oh is an insane show. We couldn't figure out math for dates a little bit ago, let alone no. like math for Those extreme couponing. I don't put your powers for good people. Yeah. I also don't understand why they need 500 cans of tuna. If they if they do the math and it's like the can of tuna is on sale for 50 cents, and then I have a coupon for 25 25 cents off. I use two coupons, get it for free. Use that to get one free can of tuna. They always end up getting 500 cans of tuna. Yeah. I don't understand why the couponing necessitates getting hundreds of a thing. Yeah, I don't, I never understood <laughs> that either. This is what you tuned into, comic book fans. Yeah, like, hey, let's get let's get uh, a shopping cart full of toothbrushes. Yeah. Because we need, oh, well, you'll never need a toothbrush for the rest of your life, or I guess? There was one, they had 700 rolls of toilet paper already, and I was like, oh, well, surely they're not going to go buy more toilet paper. They did. They bought 200 more rolls. At like, what, what are point, you doing? At what point does extreme couponing become hoarding? It's, it's organized hoarding. Organized hoarding. 
Also, it's we're, just, we're here. Yeah, we're here to pass judgment. Yeah. Well, no, I do like the fact that you have a spreadsheet because it's important to keep track of that stuff. Because if you're not, yeah. then it's not even really collecting. And you, and you are a collector. I mean, you you love these. It's it, at that point, it literally is hoarding. Yeah. It's just it's just holding on. Order. You have to love. You have to love your collections, guys. Yeah. And I'll tell you, that's honestly that's why I've gotten rid of like a lot of my physical books, and I'm starting to move towards collecting and owning like actual pieces of value you know because I realized I wasn't I wasn't keeping track of how many books that I had and I had a couple long boxes full and when I would open them up I'd barely access them I'd read them once or twice but most of them weren't stories that really that, that really hit me deep you know yeah. I, had a, I had a huge completionist run of Amazing Spider-Man because you know Sp I'm gay for Spider-Man but yeah. A lot of the stories I didn't care about. I read them once. I can let them go. They're a part of me <laughs> now that I've read them. I'll keep the ones that I that I really, really care about. But that completionist part of me. Instead, you should try and get like the good Spider-Man run. Yeah. Like, the, like I'm. I was for a while. I was trying to buy all the black costume Spider-Man stuff. Yeah. Like starting from when he debuted. Uh, you know, pre his Secret Wars. Two fifty-two. Yeah. Right. Two fifty-two. Something or other. I was trying to get like all of those. It's really good stuff. Puma, Hobgoblin. Hey, fun that stuff. that was uh, that was Roger Stern and Ron Friends, and then it was Defalco and Ron Friends, yeah. and that run was spectacular. I followed those guys when I was, you know, I was a I was a young chap then, but that was <laughs> uh, that was one and of you're the an first old chap now because you used the word chap. Yeah, indeed, <laughs> I, old uh, English I, chap. I dusted my spats off <laughs> and adjusted my uh, corn cob. Hat. My corncob hat? No, now yeah. I'm just a fool. <laughs> I'm the village fool. No, I uh, I followed those guys over to Thor. They did Thor? Yeah, they did Thor after Simonson. They did... They, their Thor run was pretty good. I liked it at the time. Uh, they were the guys that killed Thor. Okay. Oh, in '91, uh, and then they brought and then they brought in Eric Masters. Okay. As... All of my knowledge of anything not X-Men from the '90s comes from trading cards. Because I remember being ah. like, "Oh, here's a Thunderstrike trading card, I guess." That's yeah. what Thor is now. Right after they, they did like a year's worth of stories with Eric Masterson, and that's where it started. That's where I sort of started to check out. Like I, they were going in a direction that I was, uh, I was moving in a different direction myself. We just. We, we, we parted up. ways amicably, <laughs> Thor and DeFalco and friends and I. But yeah, that was one of the first creative teams that I followed. How long ago was it that you remember that you were first cognizant of a creator and began to follow them instead of a character? Uh, Jim Lee was the first tr creator I knew by name, um, but uh, Scott Lobdell... Scott Abdell and Joe Madureira had a huge influence on me, and Joe Madureira was the first creator that I actually ever followed. Because I bought Battle Chasers number one. I don't know how I found it. You and like 350,000 other people. Yeah, so like, I there's not that. like. Yeah. I have that issue. I don't know if number two ever came out, but um, I never bought number two at least, and I don't know if many more came out of number one. No, there were, there were between nine and 12 issues. Okay, that's that good. They were finally released. Um, but like that, because. Like Joe Mad and Scott Lobdell became my Claremont and Byrne. Like their Uncanny X Men, I still love. I mean, I was in that was third to seventh grade for me, and they had a long run. Like you look at nowadays, you an, an artist is announced in a book, and 
them being announced as the artist on a book means they're going to do an arc. Yeah. They're going to do six issues and then they're gone. Yeah, I which think we is sound annoying. like old men when we yeah. talk about that now. Kids. Like, but I, I do remember... There's you know, something and, magical about the fact like Ramita, or that uh, Matt Herrera started with the Phalanx Covenant. Or he just started with the Phalanx's first appearance and then did the Phalanx Covenant. 314? His first was 314, I think. Uh, 311 was... 312. I think 312 and 313... There was a two-part phalanx, uh, two-parter, where he was just like the guest artist, and then there was um, the neophyte trial storyline. <laughs> this is so inside. Uh, We're getting and, real deep. And then there was the the phalanx, the phalanx covenant crossover, and then he became the regular artist. Um, I mean, he did that. He did it all the way through, if, like onslaught, and then issue three fifty. And the thing is, is, like, he was just getting great. Yeah. When he left. Yeah. Ugh. Like that entire the entire stretch of them in space, not the best story, but his art is phenomenal. Yeah, those those in the three forties especially from yeah. the onslaught arc on is when he really started to. Well, you that, know, oh man, I take that back. His because he had a lot of the costume design on the Age of Apocalypse, right? Oh, I think it was almost all him. Yeah, and that's where he the really started to blow up. Yeah, like his was... his style just really crystallized very quickly then. And that was around like. And that was early. Like, that was one of his first... Like, he was only the artist in Uncanny for a little while. Yeah. Like, a Phalanx Covenant, and then they immediately went into Legion Quest. And that would have been when he was, oh, I don't know, 20, 21. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what am I doing? Yeah. Um, and do you remember, there was even controversy at the time because they would get Roger Cruz as a fill-in artist. Yeah. And he would try to... I would be so frustrated reading it because yep. he would... I think by editorial edict, try to ape Matarera's style. Yeah, Roger Cruz was always, I mean, he was kind of uh, just a chameleon of whatever the artist he was filling in on. Yeah. Because he did that on X-Men. It wasn't until, like, he just did X-Men First Class with Jeff Parker a couple years ago, and that, I feel like that's the first time I saw, like, oh, that's what his art is supposed to look like. He's yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he's a great artist. I think there was even an in-joke... Well, I don't know if it was a joke, but like a diss on him that Matarera drew into an issue of Uncanny Ooh, at one point as like a headline. I'm going to have to check my yeah. Comic Legends Revealed on comic yeah. book resources. But yeah, I I love that. I love that run. The stories, again, you know, the stories were getting to that point where yeah. things were too convoluted. And they didn't yeah. get cleaner well, got, after that. No, but. I got, I mean, that's where, I, like, that was where I grew up. Like, I grew up on the Matter or Lubdell run. Because that's also, like, towards the end, that's where I learned that, oh, editors have a say. Yeah. Like, that was, like, the curtain was pulled back. And somehow I ended up learning that, oh, all that stuff, like, they're, like, them leaving is all like the editors. Like editors became a bad word. <laughs> oh me. yeah. Uh, well, and even more so when Joe Kelly, writer of Deadpool number eleven, took over X Men after Operation Zero Tolerance and did a stellar run. Yeah. With Carlos Pacheco and German Garcia. Shang Chi. Yeah. Psy well, War. He, well, Scott Lobdell did uh, Pacheco. Did uh, the Shang Chi arc. Oh really? But, but he did Psy War, yeah. Well, because like Pacheco came in with Lobdell for the Shang Chi arc, and then all of Operation Zero Tolerance. Right. <laughs> Crazy, stupid knowledge. <laughs> well, this is why you have a spreadsheet. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like that—that that was when like, because all of a sudden, wait a second, Excalibur's being canceled. Let's shove Kitty Pryclos and Nightcrawler back on the team and change yeah. all your plans. Yeah. So sad. Oh, what could have been? Well, I'm really excited. I am really excited for Deadpool 11 and Amazing Spider-Man 47. 
Yeah, we're going to be reading a uh, Stan Lee and John Romita Sr. Yeah. I don't know if it's a classic. I feel like they inserted them into this issue because it was just an issue. <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot. It's it starts with the, the issue starts with a cliffhanger from the previous one of yeah. the Goblin and Craven both attacking Spidey at the same time. Yeah. I mean, I reading the ish the pages that are actually in Depot 11, like it doesn't seem like a very phenomenal story. Sure. But I mean, I'm sure it's going to be great. Yeah. Sure I, have no, I have no doubt about that. So I'm really excited for that, and I'm really excited for a lot of the stuff that we have coming up this fall. I mean, yeah. New York Comic Con's coming up soon, right in our hometown. <laughs> I just blew right into the mic. That's your mind was blown, and the phone was blown. Yeah. Uh, I'm super excited for it. I'm super excited. Hopefully we'll have a lot of special things. Yeah. We, we, have, special. Some, we have some ideas planned, and we're hoping that they, that they come through. Yes! And be really excited to announce those as they do. Yeah. So make sure you start telling all your friends to yeah, tune in before it gets cool. And if you listen and you're going to be at New York Comic Con, uh, tweet at us. Tweet at us yes. and come find us on the floor. We're going to be running around. Yeah, we could attempt to tweet up. Yeah, a tweet up? I is that know. a thing? Yeah, tweet up is a total thing. All right, yeah. Tweet up is like, yeah. It, the Nerdist guys talk about tweet ups a lot. Oh, okay. They're a little bit more plugged into the internet than we are, maybe. Well, if it's a pun, usually I assume that it's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> and a tweet up sounds right. Well, care was made. Care yeah. was put into that pun. So yeah, maybe we'll have a tweet up. Yes. Yeah. Other than you'll get to see my crippling anxiety about talking to strangers. That's all right. I'll be <laughs> I'll be there. I'll be there as well, and I'll have a can of mace in case yeah. anyone gets too stranger dangered. Or Nicole's crippling fear of talking to strangers. Oh, I don't think Nicole will. Nicole will be hiding somewhere, and we'll have to bring people to well, her. Unless you want to give her compliments, she's all about that. That's true. She's ready to listen. Then. Yes. Oh, we love. We love Nicole. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, is there anything that you definitely want to see or do at Comic-Con? No, I haven't even looked and, I mean, I want to go. <laughs> yeah? I have to pick up, I mean, I have to pick up commissions, I have to get commissions. I haven't even looked at who's going to be there, so I need to actually start planning getting a game plan. I know friend of show Ryan Stegman will be at yeah. you know, Comic-Con this year. It's going to be good to give him a high five in person again. Yeah. Yeah, we're probably uh, most likely going to try to harass other professionals to be on the show, I'm sure. There's a lot of harassing. Yeah, yeah, we've got to hurry. Actually, all of the surprises I was talking about earlier are all harassments. Yeah. We have a lot of harassments that we want to announce. I'm going to go and compliment them on their work and then just start harassing in various ways. Yeah, yeah, we have, we have a spreadsheet of harassments. Yeah. Ready to go from 10.0 oh, down to 1.0. Yeah, it's color-coded. Uh, we have several tabs, depending on the <laughs> uh, physical nature of the harassment. Ooh, yeah, one of them is rated X. What does that even mean? I don't know. Gosh, because it's tired. I'm tired in the middle of Panera. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, so next week we're going to have Deadpool 11, Amazing Spider-Man 47. Read up. And, uh, yeah, read them up. If you have any thoughts about the books when you read them this week, please tweet them at us or email them to us. We would love to, we'd love to read them, and uh, yeah. we'd love to check out what you think about it. Yeah. Do that. Guys, do it. Yeah. This is a call to action. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Brett White. Uh, you can also read my CBR column in your Face Jam every Wednesday evening, Eastern, afternoon, Pacific. And you can read his most recent column about female members of Jonathan Hickman's new Avengers team. Uh, yeah. No one is a sexist. I think everyone is great. Yes. That, yeah. I'm really worried about starting a feud with a creator that I actually res that I respect and don't think is a sexist. Yeah. It's this, this is yeah. We're cool, man. Everyone, make sure you let Jonathan Hickman know we're cool. Everyone, let Jonathan Hickman know that Matt and Brett love Jonathan Hickman. Yes. Uh, 
Also, don't tell him because he might not have seen the article. Indeed. I don't, know. I don't actually know how cre- well, well, I don't know. Yeah, you know what? Maybe maybe just keep your mouth shut, huh? Maybe just keep your mouth shut. Gosh, oh no. Uh, you can follow me, twitter.com slash thematlittle, facebook.com slash thematlittle. Check us out on Facebook, Matt and Brett Love Comics. Check us out at mattandbrettlovecomics.com. Dip into the archive, guys. We do not have any time-sensitive episodes, really. It's all it's Except all a free-for-all. Yeah, we that just, was before we knew what our format was. We just want to have fun yeah, talking about comics. You know? Share them. Go on a road trip. Listen to all of them. Yeah. Go make like, uh, make like X-Force in the late 60s, early 70s issues and go on a road trip. Yeah. Discover yourselves. And let us help you discover yourself. Yeah. But not in the creepy way. Yeah, not there is no the creepy There way. is no non-creepy way to say that. Yeah. And you're whispering and... Yeah, guys. Yeah. I have no idea what this is going to sound like on an iPhone. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for listening, everybody. Thanks so much for listening, guys. And we'll see you next time. This is Matt. This is Brett. And we love comics. That's true. I'll let you boy. Yeah. Yeah.